Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're happy you're here this morning and ready to study the Bible with us. If you've called a question in recently, we hope we get to it today. Uh, we're always a little bit behind and have to tape ahead because of closed captioning and all that. So it's always a few weeks before we get to your answer, but uh, we get to them pretty much in order. So we hope we get to yours today. If you're a first-time viewer, that's all we do on this program is answer viewers' questions. There's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. Use those anytime you want to get in touch with us. Uh, tell us what your question is. Uh, about anything. We get a lot of real detailed questions about the Bible, and we get a lot of life questions. Folks that want to know, what's the Bible say about this? And I've got this situation in my life, and what's a Bible principle on how I ought to handle that? We'll try to find you an answer to those kind of questions. Every once in a while we get one that we just have to say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about that. Uh, but usually the Bible's got a principle for about everything in life, so we'll be happy to try to find it for you. Let me introduce my co-host, Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Welcome back, and glad you're ready to go. Uh, got some good ones today. I think I got the first one, but we always give our viewers the first one, which is a trivia question. Who visited Jesus at night so he wouldn't be seen? Somebody was afraid he'd be seen visiting with Jesus. So he made his visit at night, and we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. All right, question one. Why does the Bible refer to wisdom as she? Well, that actually does happen in Proverbs. Uh, the whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom and uh, listening to your father and all that. But when the writer of Proverbs, the wise man, uh, personifies wisdom, he calls her a she. So let's just read part of that in Proverbs uh, chapter 8. Let's put that on the screen. And here's what Solomon says. Why does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in the front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call. If you go on reading, he portrays two women, wisdom and foolishness, as trying to attract men and get them to follow them. And his advice is to follow wisdom because wisdom uh, makes life a whole lot better if you have wisdom in your life. Well, that's what happened. That's how Solomon chose to do it. The uh, best I can explain is it's a poetic device of some sort to personify wisdom and foolishness, and he chose to call them she. Uh, now, those of you that remember Lewis from a few years ago, uh, this is the kind of question I would have given him. He's an old English teacher, and he would have gone on for 10 or 15 minutes about the <laughs> about personification of all that. He would have explained it real well, uh, but I can't do that. So let's just say Solomon chose to do it. Uh, I'm sure we could draw some conclusions that women are probably smarter than men. That's, that's why he did it, but 
but we won't, we won't go there. <laughs> Poetic device, let's, let's leave it at that. <laughs> All right, Toby. Good answer. Um, the viewer asked the question, uh, do, do we pre-exist with God and Jesus before we come to earth? And uh, my answer to that is no, we are created beings. And uh, we, I believe we're created uh, basically at the time of conception and God knits us together in our mother's womb. Uh, Genesis chapter one, of course, in the in the in the beginning of things, uh, one verse twenty six, God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion." And so He had, and still has, purpose for our lives, work for us to do, and uh, the Scripture tells us very plainly that our days are numbered and ordained before one of them happens. So, uh, no, I don't think we pre-exist in that sense, but I do believe once we're created, part of being created in God's image, it means that we have an eternal part of us uh, that goes on from that point in an unending capacity, the soul of man, if you will. Uh, let's look at uh, so one other scripture from Psalm 139. And there David says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So, no, we don't pre-exist. Uh, we, we exist in the mind of God, and uh, when He creates us, that's when we begin. All right, thank you. Uh, let's just read it. Very basic question and very straightforward. The viewer says, my best friend is gay. I'm wondering if that means you think she's going to hell. Uh, she loves God. All right. And let me just point out that this is the first of many such questions we'll have in the next few weeks probably because uh, when we're taping these programs, uh, it's not too long after the Supreme Court decision legalizing gay marriage uh, and that provoked a flood of questions about uh, uh, gay and all kinds of things having to do with that. Uh, so we'll probably have a few more questions over the next few weeks or months about that than normal. Uh, but this is one of the ones that came in and since it was so straightforward I thought I'd just put it in one of the first programs and uh, deal with it. My best friend's gay. Uh, we would, If we had time we'd point out the Bible doesn't talk about people that way. Uh, it talks about the actions that are sinful. It doesn't talk about people being uh, someone, and that's what our society has changed this to be. Uh, an unnatural behavior has become identified with a person's identity. Uh, but we don't have time to discuss that, but that's what the assumption is here, and that's the assumption in our society today. My best friend is gay. I'm wondering if that means you think she's going to hell. I'm not the one that decides who goes to hell. I'm not in that business. I don't want to be in that business. Uh, what I'm in the business of is telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible's very clear that certain acts are sinful. Uh, it doesn't say homosexual acts are the worst sin in the world. It just lists them right along with a number of other sinful acts. Uh, let's look at it from the Bible, not what I'm saying what the Holy Spirit said in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The people who are not in Christ, who practice unrighteousness, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, 
nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? And there's a lot of lists like that in the New Testament. Well, not a lot, but a few lists like that in the New Testament where the writer just points out that people that practice unrighteousness uh, aren't going to heaven. Okay? Very straightforward teaching. Uh, you need to change your life and become a follower of Christ. He will help you change your life. Now, this viewer says, my friend loves God. Very good. I hope so. If so, read the Bible, see what it's talking about, and the difference between unrighteousness and righteousness. That's what the people in Corinth did. When Paul got to Corinth, it was a wild pagan civilization. And they did everything there, just like that list says. There were homosexuals, there were adulterers, there were all kinds of folks, thieves and drunkards and all that. And who was in the church? Look at the next verse. This is the greatest verse. Look at this next verse. Paul says, and such were some of you. That's the way you used to act. You used to do all those things. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's some good news there, folks. Uh, that's what he says about this. He said, people who practice unrighteousness, and he lists a number of them, he said, no, they aren't going to heaven. But the church in Corinth used to be those kind of people, and they quit. They, they were washed. They were sanctified. They were justified. They were in Christ now. And the Holy Spirit helped them overcome their evil desires, whatever it was. Whether it was a desire to steal or a desire to swindle or a desire to commit adultery, Holy Spirit helped them. They were different now. Okay? That's what the Bible says about it. So hope that helps you understand. And if your friend loved God, loves God, we'd be glad to help her study in any way that uh, she's interested and uh, see what the Bible says about that particular sin along with all the other sins that it mentions. Thank you for the question. All right, Toby, what do you got? <clears throat> yes, have you asked this question, what, where does the Bible talk about how we should uh, save or spend money? Uh, okay, well, um, there are lots of places in the Bible <clears throat> where it talks about money. And I think some people get nervous talking about money and religion, uh, probably because so many people abuse it in the wrong way. But the Bible has some of the best principles on money management in the world. I think the best. I mean, there will, I cannot think of any more <laughs> better sound advice than what I read in Scripture. Uh, it's not concentrated all in one chapter. Um, it's spread throughout. And so uh, I'm going to give you a list here that's from Proverbs. And I think these will you know, give you a, a few of the really important ones because there are over 800 verses that talk about money in some form or fashion. Um, from Proverbs, number one, stay out of debt. It's just dangerous. Uh, it, it, it doesn't help you in any way. Um, and it doesn't, it, it just weighs you down. It keeps God's people from doing the things that God wants to do. Money's just a tool. And uh, <clears throat> you pay your, all your interest to the, to the banker and the lender. Uh, you change uh, what God can do through you because you have less tools to, to do His will. 
Uh, number two, don't co-sign. Uh, Proverbs 17, 18 is very clear. Uh, some versions say uh, one is stupid to co-sign for a loan. Uh, don't, don't guarantee uh, what you, your personal self and your assets for someone else is the idea. Uh, number three, earn money honestly and save. Don't chase after fantasies and get rich quick schemes and midnight cable commercials and all of that. If you want to earn money, the easy way to do it is to work hard, to work honestly, treat people right, and, and save wisely. <clears throat> In the house of the wise are choice stores of food and oil. Uh, number four, have a plan or a budget. Uh, don't just... Uh, um, uh, spend all your money and, and not keep track of where it's going uh, and you know change the income to the outgo and at the end of the month you have nothing left and nothing to show uh, that that's not a good plan for uh, being successful with money uh, number five invest carefully uh, Proverbs 2723 uh, says that uh, you want to in Send your uh, bread out to many waters and, and, and invest, uh, diversify is the word we would use today. Uh, give thought to the things you invest in and don't invest in things you don't understand. And if you're trying to get rich quick, uh, you'll probably uh, not get rich at all. And number six, be honest uh, with your money and with uh, other people's money. And number seven, of course, give. Uh, giving is the nature of God and it's who He wants us to be, not because He needs your money, but because He wants to change your heart. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So money's important. It's tied very closely to our hearts and our values. So uh, some, some things that I hope are helpful. I'll make one other mention. I have personally seen lots of great success at uh, Northside where we attend with Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Uh, it's a nine-week class. You can look it up and, and find one close to you, I'm sure. Uh, it's biblically based, very sound, very practical. A lot of people have, got, have uh, gotten out of debt, gotten on a plan, and, and really been able to see, uh, uh, get themselves some hope and some peace and, and allow themselves to be used for God's kingdom and use God's tools and God's ways. So. Hope that helps the viewer. It's a good way to do it. There's, there's others. Uh, Crown Financial is mm -hmm, a good mm -hmm, program. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of and more will be coming up all the time with yep. ways to help you get your finances in order. And none of them are perfect. Uh, you may disagree with parts of them about a little something, but overall, if you're not doing what Toby's list had there, uh, those kind of programs will help you get to doing those things. So, kind of get you on the fast track. Yep. Uh, I forgot to talk about a good way to study the Bible. We don't need the graphics up. Let me just mention it quickly. Uh, we do have some Bible study tools here that know your Bible that if you want to get into a Bible study in your home, uh, go through the Bible by yourself and spend some more time in it, uh, we've got a good way to do that and we'll be happy to send them to through the mail. Uh, you'll start with a course that's got eight lessons in it that kind of introduces you to the whole Bible. Uh, and then once you get through that, if you want to keep going, we've got some more advanced courses. Uh, our goal is to help you know your Bible, and a lot of folks have uh, tried our study tools and found out that they really help. So if you want one of those, give us a call, phone number, or website, we'll get it started. All right, my next question is, if there's only one God, uh, why is God talking to other gods in Psalm 82? Uh, well, when I got that question, I thought, well, has God ever talked to other gods? And I, then when I saw the verse, I remembered it. 
uh, let's set the stage a little bit before we read the passage in Psalm 82. And it does says uh, does say that God takes his place in the midst of the other gods. Okay, so it is a little confusing. Now the trick is uh, whether it's got a big G or a little G. The word God itself comes from a root of power and might. Somebody that rules is the basis of that word. And the Old Testament uses it two different ways. Uh, it uses it some with a little g is the clue. And it's talking about earthly rulers, earthly powerful men, uh, earthly men with might, uh, judges and kings and that kind of thing. And when it's talking about the power, uh, it uses big G, God. So that's the way to tell in the Bible translation which way it's talking about it. And in this passage, it's talking about God, Jehovah God, the, the eternal King of Kings, uh, talking to earthly rulers. Now, it's a poetic thing since it's in Psalms. So this is the way uh, the psalmist pictures God dealing with earthly rulers. So that's the, the ground set before we go on. Uh, let's look at Psalm 82, verses 1 through 4. And it says, God has taken his place in the divine council, in the midst of the gods, or in the midst of the rulers, is an easier way to read it. In the midst of the earthly rulers, he holds judgment. And he asks them, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So, what the picture is here, God is upset with earthly rulers who don't do justice. And the psalmist pictures it as a divine counsel uh, that God has ordained them. And Romans 13, 1 says that. No authority exists on earth except what God has ordained. So if he's ordained them, he ought to be able to call a divine counsel. Now, I don't think there really was a divine counsel. I think this is a poetic picture. But that's what the verse is saying. Uh, in this divine council, God takes his place. He will judge. And he tells them, why aren't you taking care of the, uh, the weak, the poor? You're giving things to the uh, unrighteous and to the powerful and all that. That's not right. He's telling them they better judge fairly like the real judge will judge someday. So, great question. Viewers saw that word gods in there. And it does sound like there's a whole bunch of other gods. Uh, no, it's talking about earthly rulers, kings, dictators, whatever. Um, and they do kind of take the form of God sometimes. If you've ever been in a courtroom, uh, the judge runs that courtroom. <laughs> yeah, he's the God of that courtroom, if you want to say it that way. Uh, he's the one with the power in there. Um, and the countries that have a dictator, they're the ones that lay down the law. So that's what the Bible, Psalm 82 is talking about, I think. Take a moment and invite you to a Church of Christ near you. Uh, drop in and visit sometime. Uh, that's who keeps us on the air. And we like to mention a few each week that uh, help us stay in uh, on the air and broadcasting. Let's talk about a few in central Kansas, uh, south central Kansas this week. Douglas, Kansas, and Emporia, uh, Eureka. All have a great body of Christians that meet together every week and do a lot of things during the week together and help their communities and uh, just a good bunch of folks. 
and uh, all of them help us uh, produce Know Your Bible and stay on, and we like to thank them for that, and we'd like you to thank them for it. If you know somebody that attends Church of Christ in Douglas or Emporia or Eureka, tell them, say, I'm watching this program called Know Your Bible, and they mentioned you, and we, we appreciate you uh, helping it stay on the air for us. If you're looking for a church home, be warmly welcome to any Church of Christ near you. Uh, whatever viewing area you're in, you can probably find one. Uh, drop in and tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible, and uh, you'll be warmly welcomed, I bet. All right, Toby, your turn. Yeah, a viewer wants to know about the thief on the cross. <clears throat> they ask, how was the thief on the cross saved since he wasn't baptized? Well, the story of the thief on the cross is found in Luke chapter 23, uh, verses, about th verses 38 through 42. And some folks look at that and say, well, you know, uh, in the story there, they're all three hanging on the cross and, and uh, the one criminal's kind of abusing Jesus verbally and picking on him. And the, the other criminal says, you know, hey, this, we're, we're punished justly. This guy here, he ain't done nothing wrong. And he says, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus is one of his final acts of mercy. He says, today uh, you'll be with me in paradise. Well, it's a beautiful story because it shows us the the mercy of Jesus, which uh, fundamentally I think is the core of how everyone is saved. Now, the method, of course, is very different than what the the gospel plan is, uh, what Jesus uh, taught, and what he told the apostles to teach uh, was to repent and have faith and and be baptized, to be immersed, uh, and that was what they practiced after Jesus was resurrected in the beginning of the church on, on Pentecost. Uh, from then forward, uh, the plan of salvation uh, always included uh, baptism uh, by immersion and uh, repentance and faith. And, you know, and the thief on the cross was a very unique instance uh, that happened uh, under the old covenant. Um, and, but, and, you know, even though they're different methods, uh, don't try to take the, the thief on the cross and make that, uh, I usually say it's the exception and not the rule. Uh, it was just a unique circumstance, and Jesus, showing his very nature, uh, forgave the thief on the cross. Um, well, uh, don't use that as a proof text for, you know, saying baptism isn't necessary, because that, that contradicts many other verses in the Bible that talk about the necessity for repentance and baptism. So uh, that's what I would say on that. But <clears throat> I think it's the, the whole point of that story in Scripture is to be reminded that we have a very merciful and loving Savior who still wants you to be saved. If you haven't, you need to put him on in faith and baptism. So uh, if you haven't done that, sign up for the Bible Correspondence Course, and you can learn more about that, All the right. differences. Thank you, Toby. <clears throat> you know, we probably received that question Lots. A thousand times <laughs> at least over the almost 30 years that we've been on. Uh, we have never received a question, how was Abraham saved? Because he wasn't baptized. Yeah, yeah. And it's exactly the same situation. Sure. They sure. both lived under the old covenant. Yep. But nobody worries about Abraham or David or yep. <laughs> any of those. Uh, but the thief on the cross, even yeah. though he was close to the end of the old covenant, right. uh, he was still under the old covenant. Plus, he had the Savior <laughs> himself right there. Uh, yep. So, completely different story, but uh, just interested in the way that people seize on that as a way to try to discount baptism. Mm -hmm. All right, question I got was about the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is the bread, actually Christ's body, and the fruit of the vine actually his blood. 
Okay. No, we uh, all know your Bible. We in the Churches of Christ uh, believe that it is symbolic. Uh, we believe it's actually uh, grape juice or wine, if you choose to use wine, uh, and it's actually unleavened bread crackers of some sort uh, that represent the body and the blood. Now, there are some, uh, mainly the Catholic religion, I believe, that teaches it does become uh, actually, uh, the term for it is transubstantiation, that when it's blessed it actually becomes the real body and the blood of Christ, although there's another doctrine that says physically you can't tell it. Uh, physically you can't tell the difference, so if you scientifically analyzed it, you'd find it's grape juice or wine and crackers of some sort, uh, but it actually becomes that is their doctrine they teach. Uh, and I don't think uh, our viewer wants us to argue about that. Uh, it, it, symbolically, it ought to represent so strongly the body and the blood in your mind as you think about it. Uh, the thrust that really doesn't matter a whole lot. But no, I think it's just a symbol of the, the body and the blood. Until we got time for one more, I think. I think we can do it. A viewer asked the question, why is there no comedy in the Bible? It's such an important part of life. Why isn't it in the Bible? My answer to that is you haven't read the Bible or you've been reading uh, the wrong parts of the Bible. Now, of course, I'm going to agree that there are some pretty dry parts of the Bible when you get to the lists and the numbers and things like that. It's like, oh, man, this is hard to read. But when you read the whole story of the Bible, there is some really funny stuff in there, uh, partly just as imperfect humans, but partially because I know God has a sense of humor uh, by the stuff that's in there. Uh, I made a quick list. When I jotted it down, uh, the Jehu driving a chariot like a madman, a uh, guy getting caught in a tree by his hair. The other extreme of that was a bald prophet uh, calling down a couple of bears to maul some pump kids who were making fun of his baldness. Uh, of course, the famous one of the talking donkey and a man talking back, which is even funnier. Um, uh, a, pal a prophet pouting because God was too kind and merciful. Uh, Jesus uh, with a picture of a man with a giant plank of wood in his eye picking on people with sawdust in theirs. Uh, some really funny stuff. Uh, naked people in the Garden of Gethsemane, a man falling asleep in Paul's sermons. Uh, there's stuff that you read that just like makes you smile. It's just funny that, that those things are in there. So uh, the Bible's a very honest book and I think as you read through the honesty of Scripture, uh, you can just sit back and chuckle. Of course, the matter of salvation of course, is a very serious matter, but God made us to be create creatures who enjoy life and who who laugh. You know, the ability to laugh is a unique human trait and uh, something that I know that God gave us for a reason. So, uh, yes, there's plenty of humor in the Bible. Uh, there's not the you know as we might think of humor today, but as you read through the story, you see a lot of funny stuff and things that remind us that life is funny. So uh, let's read a scripture from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And I will say one more thing. I think, you know, as you read through here, it's clear that God has a sense of humor. Sometimes God's people don't. And we need to, we need to lighten up a little bit, learn to smile, laugh, and enjoy, and not 
<laughs> not let our bones be so dried up. So. All right. I thought that way the question started, I thought it was going to be, why is there no comedy on the program? <laughs> I thought they wanted us to be funnier. <laughs> Trivia question for the day. Uh, who visited Jesus at night so he wouldn't be seen? That was old Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night so nobody would see him talking to the Messiah, the one that uh, everybody was picking on at that time. We're glad you've been with us today. We'll be back next week with more questions. We may not be any funnier, uh, but we'll be back to answer some questions. Until then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.